The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's overreaction Monday here on Talk of Champions after Ole Miss's 42-41 overtime win over Kentucky. They're on the board. Lane Kiffin is on the board. And me and Bradley Sauer are going to talk all about it and today's guest for a recruit check. Because why not? Ole Miss has got momentum. They won. So a recruit check with Brian Doan of 247 Sports, National Recruiting Analyst. He was there when Ole Miss picked up a commitment from four-star safety Tysheem Johnson. So let's talk about that, what went into that day, and how Ole Miss is doing in the Northeast, Chris Partridge's territory. But before we jump into this overreaction Monday edition of Talk of Champions, let me tell you about my bookie. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code TOC, TOC, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's Overreaction Monday here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit, been on Twitter, Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, Eight-year NFL vet, the co-host of this podcast, coming up here in just a second. Got Brian Dawn, recruiting analyst for 247 Sports. is coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. Ole Miss is a winner, one and one after week two, beating Kentucky, surviving Kentucky, 42-41, to going to overtime to do it. So much to talk about. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, how's it going, man? It's, it's nice to be on the other side of an Ole Miss-like loss um, this week. Kentucky, um, obviously... <laughs> Pulled the most Ole Miss thing ever and missed a field goal. But um, it's nice to actually be on the other side this week, so I'm fired up about it. Missed an extra point, then Ole Miss scores, kicks the extra point. Good for Luke Logan. Good for Matt Corral, and that's where we're going to start because I am buying 
all the Matt Corral stock. I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying. 24-29, 320 yards, four touchdowns. According to Pro Football Focus, he had the highest passer rating among SEC quarterbacks in Week 2, 152.2. Mac Jones of Alabama was second, 138.4. Kyle Trask of Florida, every Ole Miss fan knows Kyle Trask. Number three at 126.1. And Arkansas's Felipe Franks at number four at 117.0. He was perfect. And I try to be measured in my approach to the preseason Ole Miss quarterback battle that no one outside of the walls of the Manning Center ever saw. The same quarterback battle, and I put battle in quotations, that wasn't even a battle after, what, a week of fall camp practices? Two? Because we all watched John Rice Plumley make spectacular play, or spectacular run, really, after spectacular run last season, how he shredded LSU, but we all recognized he had limitations as a passer, and even more, while we were all distracted by John Rice Plumley, we were missing out on the fundamentally broken system of Rich Rodriguez, the one that wasted Jonathan Mingo, who was a four-star recruit two years ago, was considered the next in line after Dante and Laquan and AJ. He's wearing the number one, and he put up 128 yards. He broke out two touchdowns against Kentucky. Rich Rod's system was the relic of a bygone era in college football, and to watch Matt Corral, Brad, guided by Lane Kiffin, is like being pulled back to the future. An almost offense that looks and operates like not just the modern college offense, but the modern NFL offense. Take the game-winning touchdown, for example. Ole Miss, with pre-snap motion, beautiful pre-snap motion, brought Elijah Moore across the formation, then back and out to the flat. The Ontario Drummond ran an in-cut and picked two defenders. It was a legal pick play to spring him. Would have been an illegal pick play had he not run around. But touchdown, Andy Reid couldn't have scripted any better. It just feels so fresh now, Brad. And Matt Corral is right there in the middle of it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Kudos to Matt Corral, man. Two weeks in a row, just coming back out. That was one of my biggest questions going on this game. You know, was was the first week a fluke, or, or was was he really um, was he really that much better? And man, he I think he played even better this week. Um, you know, and then and touching on that last play, yeah, that was that was great. That was, I mean, that's how you know you got good coaches right there. You know, Lane Kiffin's been in so many different offenses; he can pull from all over the place. And I mean, that, that was just perfectly scripted. It's a, it's a, you just like you said, it's a nice little pick play. It's a pick without being a pick, and um, very common play. And it was, it was nice to see us pull that at all. You could see the Kentucky defender watch the play developing in front of him. It was like number twenty-six or twenty-nine, and there was nothing he could do about it. Absolutely nothing. He saw the pick coming. He tried to get over it. Elijah Moore is the perfect type of slot receiver to pull that off. And Ontario Drummond, the big body that he is, it's a perfect pick. And I was wrong. I want to say it right now. I was wrong to put Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley on an equal playing field as we discuss this, quote, quarterback battle in the preseason. Because I, like many others, forgot, I guess, what modern offense was supposed to look like. Rich Rod and Matt Luke fooled us into believing Ole Miss couldn't pass and John Rice Plumley couldn't pass because a Jonathan Mingo or an Elijah Moore couldn't win one-on-ones. Lane Kiffin believes offensively, philosophically, in scheming his best players open. Elijah Moore has 20 catches through two games. Kiffin told him in the spring that Elijah would break the receptions record at Ole Miss. Now, he didn't know he'd only have 10 games to do it, but damn it if he isn't on his way. And Mingo has come alive. Ole Miss has rediscovered the tight end after four years or more in the abyss. Kenny Yaboa has more touchdowns, too, in two career games than Dawson Knox. Now in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills, who are 4-0, Dawson had all of zero touchdowns in his entire three-year Ole Miss career. Matt Corral was always supposed to be Brad the face of the program. They took him to media days as a redshirt freshman. The problem was he was stuck in an offense from 2008 and we were told JRP was a better fit and was a developmental passer no the coaches were regressive football thinkers while Lane Kiffin is the best game day coach Ole Miss has ever had I'm going to get into that in just a little bit but let's play this out if Matt Corral continues to produce like this and understanding he's draft eligible does he leave and if he does leave his value might never be higher so how high could he go yeah, I mean, they, you'd have to see how, how it played out throughout the year. But what what I think is is awesome is that Lane Kiffin is, has NFL experience. So the the situation and 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 scheme that he's got Matt Crowley in is preparing him for that next level. So if he was doing this under somebody else that that you know had a different style 
of offense. I, I, I wouldn't say he would, you know, potentially get drafted, but I think with with what he's doing now, it's it's gonna it's gonna translate and it's gonna correlate pretty well over to the NFL. So I can I can see right now. I mean, I, I think he would get drafted right now. I really do, and I think if he keeps on this pace, he could be one of the one of the top guys. I could see him easily if he produced like this over ten games in Alabama. Boy, we got to talk about Alabama. It's going to be a loss, but expectations for Alabama, it doesn't matter. If he produces like this over 10 games, he's going to be a top four-round pick because he's going to go to the combine with that elite arm talent that we've all heard about, but is now being put into action, and he's going to impress. Somebody's going to take a chance. If you're Ole Miss, what he's doing right now is the best-case scenario for you. And that's even assuming John Rice Plumley is probably out of here transferring at the end of the year. But okay, hey, you wish him well and move on. And that's, of course, if he's not a running back or a wide receiver. And there's been nothing, no indication we've seen through two games that he is. Again, this is overreaction Monday. So if he believes himself to be a quarterback, John Rice Plumley, well, he's out because Matt Corral is clearly the guy. We're talking about potential draft status for him if he performs like this because I don't think it's unrealistic to say that Matt Corral has an argument to be the best quarterback in the SEC West and one of the very best quarterbacks in the conference top three right now after two weeks this is overreaction Monday we can say this after two weeks it's Kyle Trask and Matt Corral has an argument after two weeks and the numbers he's put up and after you saw K.J. Costello against Arkansas, that he's a top three quarterback in the SEC. How's this for a reaction Monday? I would not take another quarterback in the SEC in this stat, in this scheme right now over Matt Corral. Wow. And I say that because I think I think he totally fits the scheme better than any other guy would, even, even Trask, because, I mean, Trask doesn't really run the ball much. So I would take him over any quarterback in the SEC right now just surely because this scheme is, is fit for him. Matt Corral doing this also has recruiting ramifications, and we touched on this a little bit last week. But think about it. If Matt Corral performs like this over 10 games, and there are still eight left, there's going to be a bump or two along the way. But if he continues to progress and put up numbers like he did on Saturday, 24 of 29, 324 tutties, if he does that, Luke Altmyer sees that. Luke Altmaier being the four-star quarterback from Starkville that is Ole Miss's number one quarterback target. He sees that. He sees this offense. And he knows there's a chance in this offense he's starting as early as next season potentially. Or at the very least, if Corral is gone, that's so far away. But just play it out. If Corral were to go out because he's draft eligible because he performed so well and his value is at its peak, Luke Altmaier's coming in knowing he's competing with Cade Renfro and Kincaid Dent. That's a battle he probably believes he can win. And it helps further explain where the Ole Miss momentum is coming from. It's more than that, but that's part of it. And then don't get me started even on Arch Manning. It's the perfect place to be for Ole Miss after two weeks. I'm buying all of it because I'm a believer. I'm a complete believer. You can't deny it anymore. You can't deny what you're seeing. Yeah, how how great would it be to have Corral stick around, um, you know, throughout this year and next year, and get the Altmaier kid, have him have him with Corral for a year, kind of get his feet wet, have him then go straight into Arch Manning. I mean, Ole Miss could really be set, getting set up at quarterback with with those three guys for the next, um, you know, nine ten years. That's perfect. But again, it pushes John Rice Plumley even further out of sight, out of mind. But so be it. Because I said this in the preseason when we weren't watching the quarterback battle, but we were talking about it, even though that quarterback battle was decided because Matt Corral claimed that job. I said that John Rice Plumley, if he believes himself to be a quarterback and he is not the quarterback, he's going to transfer. But if that's the case, that means Matt Corral is producing. And if you're Ole Miss, that's exactly what you want. That means Matt Corral has left no doubt he's taken over. He has become the guy. He's taken the job. He's run with it. And that's what he's done. That's what he's done. And Ole Miss is on the board now, one and one. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. 
It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's a five-star review. I also write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. We'll get right back to Bradley Sound, this overreaction Monday edition of Talk of Champions, after I tell you about Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, make sure you're staying safe, and that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard, that's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Stay safe, enjoy some football, and make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. But all of this talk of Matt Corral brings me to my number two topic. Lane Kiffin, and I mentioned it earlier, is the best game day coach Ole Miss has ever had. Don't want to keep belaboring the point. This is overreaction Monday. This is what we're supposed to do on Monday. We will do it every Monday. But the book is still out on a number of things in regards to his program, I grant you. Recruiting possibly being one of them. I think that they're going to climb the rankings. I think they're in the 50s. Low 60s right now. I'd be shocked if by the end of this, because I know in that recruiting office, they believe that they've got real momentum. That's what I've heard. So if that's the case, borderline top 25, just outside of the top 25, and that would be a huge, huge recruiting win, considering everything that came at them with COVID, no in-person visits. That's tough to do as a first-year staff. But recruiting still is something that the book is still out on. Kevin still doesn't know some of his players particularly well. A few areas of his program are pretty disorganized. Case in point, one of his assistants, I won't name him, completely botched the additions of Fabian Lovett and Jerry and Jones, who are now at Florida State. But when Saturday comes, Lane Kiffin knows how to put a competitive team out on the field. What he's done offensively, beyond any and all expectations. Matt Crow, a legitimate claim to being an SEC Player of the Year candidate through the first two weeks. Now, that's the first two weeks, but everyone was ready to crown Mike Leach and K.J. Costello after upsetting LSU, and look at the egg they laid against Arkansas at home, which is quintessential Mike Leach to upset a top-10 team and then come back the next week and lose to an Arkansas team that hasn't won an SEC game since beating Ole Miss in 2017. 20 straight SEC losses. And we all remember that one. Ole Miss was up, like, what, 20-plus points and blew it. Those were the days, almost wasting Jordan Tiamu and DK Metcalf and Dawson Knox and A.J. Brown. But Lane Kevin knew. Jeff Lebby knew. And when in the local media all of us caught wind of who was leading the quarterback battle, we should have trusted them. Maybe we didn't because we were so used to hearing bullshit from Hugh Freeze and Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez, whoever, about chasing grass or fits or eyes in the right place and all that. No. That was all a load of football platitudes that meant nothing. Matt Corral is the guy. I should have never done the both sides stuff because Lane Kiffin on game day is as legit as any head coach is in college football. Yeah, I think I think he's – I mean, the, the, the last two games have, have really showed a lot to me. I mean, he, basically spring football was canceled. Um, he didn't have much time, and, and he, he has hardly any of his guys that, that, he, that he truly wants in there for recruiting, and he, and he already looks this impressive. I mean, they've been down in both games, and, and they fought. I mean, they fought this one back to win, and then the first one, obviously, they fought back to make it respectable. But I mean, I, I, I mean, what's what's this team gonna look like in, in two or three years from now when Lane Kiffin has a, a good handful of the guys that he wants to fit his scheme completely? I mean, it's only gonna get better, which which is scary. What's the defense gonna look like? Because right now it's an absolute hot mess. It's a hot mess. It's bad. Kiffin is completely hands off there, and I don't know if you can even fairly evaluate the job of DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge because the lack of SEC quality players is so freaking obvious. But I've never seen an Ole Miss defensive line, dude, that at its best in one full game 
and a quarter of overtime can at best generate a stalemate at the line of scrimmage. There's zero push, let alone pressure on the quarterback. And that doesn't bode well for a secondary field with former three stars, except for Jalen Jones, but he's a shell of his former self after his ACL injury. The linebackers don't jump out at you either, even Lakia Henry. But you're not discouraged by that because in two SEC games, and despite giving up 600 passing yards in week one, 400 rushing yards in week two, Ole Miss is one and one because this offense is that good. And we all knew, we all knew that this defense was going to be this bad. Kiffin and company are going to need two or three recruiting cycles to fill out a standard issue SEC starting lineup defensively. Right now, I'm not sure Ole Miss would be middle of the pack in the Sun Belt. They're that bad. Yeah, they're they're ranked they're ranked dead last. I mean, in, in all of football, which is which is embarrassing for an SEC team. But um, yeah, in in or in order to fix this, it's it's not going to happen in a year. It's just not. A, it can maybe improve in a year, but this is going to be something that's going to take a couple of years, and hopefully two years from now, there's a whole bunch of sophomores starting. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they just. They throw in a bunch of guys that they recruit, and they just want to get them experience and get them get them up to speed. But yeah, this is when you're this depleted on defense. It's not going to be a one year thing. It's going to be a two to two to three year thing to fix. I mean, it's just you can't expect guys to come in and be that much better than what you got, and you, you're hoping that they're you know ha- have potential to grow to be much better. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a couple of years before this thing fixed. Like for example, a sophomore Tysheen Johnson, a four-star commitment that Ole Miss picked up last week. Brian Dome was there. He's coming up shortly. That's what you're looking for, and they're already filling up this class with defensive players. But think about this: we've been treating Ryder Anderson and T. Tisdale like known commodities, but they've never done anything in their Ole Miss careers—nothing of note. And they had to move Anderson out wide during that game against Kentucky because he was getting absolutely whipped so bad at tackle on Saturday. You saw Patrick Lucas and Hal Northern and KD Hill at defensive tackle. None of them really did anything. But they were considered better options than Ryder Anderson. Actually, I got to give Hal Northern some credit because he probably had the best day of all of them. But that's like saying you're the tallest dwarf. But knowing that, knowing all that, is it fair to say Ole Miss is what? Maybe number three team in the West? Hell, who's number two? It's Alabama and everybody else in the SEC. Florida's offense is great, but I think Ole Miss exposed them defensively, and their performance against South Carolina didn't really change that. Georgia always chokes. They haven't really inspired any confidence. In the West, Auburn is pretty bad. Mississippi State, after Arkansas, at best, even. LSU doesn't do much for you. Yeah, you beat Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt is probably the worst team in the SEC. No, it's not. It's the worst team in the SEC. They lost everybody, many of which opted out. Arkansas was gifted a win by Mississippi State. Just chance after chance after chance. They're still terrible. Who's good? Ole Miss has its offense going for it, which is more than pretty much all those other teams can say. Yeah, Ole Miss has the worst defense, not just in the conference, but in the country by far. But again, we all knew that. So where does Ole Miss rank? This is what I said last week. I think I think Ole Miss is a contender. I really do. And it's you'll think I'm crazy, but just looking at all the other teams, obviously Alabama, looking at them now after another week, they're I mean, they're pretty impressive. I mean, they're 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 a good team. They're they're likely the the top team in the SEC. But aside from that, you have a whole bunch of number twos. People fight for number two. And and there's no reason to think Ole Miss isn't in that pack, um, just based off of what the offense can do. And hey, there was the defense is is terrible, but they still had a few stops in that game that were um, you know that, that that were pretty timely. So as long as they can do that and grab a turnover or two, and our offense rolls the way it is, I, I mean, I think we're going to be in every game, if not winning a lot of these games. I really do. Well, I love Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, tweeting this out on Sunday night. I'm really glad LSU started their season against Mississippi State, Vandy, and Missouri, two of those at home. Poor things needed a break after last season. Meanwhile, Ole Miss got the easy road of two top five teams and returning bowl team in Kentucky. It's not like Ole Miss got it easy, and that's why one and one, and yes, you lost by 16 to Florida, but you were competitive, and there were opportunities to make it a one-score game to put the ultimate outcome, the eventual outcome in doubt, Alabama, you're not going to win that game, but LSU's done nothing to inspire any confidence that that team isn't a team that you can beat. And if Ole Miss can just get a little bit better defensively, whatever that is, just do something well. What can they do well, Brad? What can they do well? Because you give up 600 yards passing in one week and 400 yards rushing the next week. What can you do well? Yeah, that's that's the problem. That's what really discouraged me. So you look at week one, and we gave up 600 yards passing, and you say, hey, maybe we're just – 
you know, maybe it's really bad in the secondary, where maybe we can't get a pass rush. Then you turn around the next week and you give up 400 yards rushing and three, which Kentucky has 300 yard rushers. So, yeah, that's bad on both sides right there. So, there's really no identity there. And that's what's concerning there. So, I mean, we, we got to hope that, I mean, there was times in that game where, where we started bringing the house and being exotic. I'm telling you, I think that's the only way to go. I think you got to understand they're going to score regardless. Why not make it really tough on them? Why not, why not be really exotic and, and, and try to get them off balance? And there was times where we, we started getting after Kentucky a little bit in that game by doing that. You've said this already, but I want to hammer this on. Mac Jones was number two, according to Pro Football Focus, in week two behind only Matt Corral. Matt Corral at Alabama would be shredding folks, and he's shredding folks without Alabama's talent. So you are telling me too, and you told me last week, so I'll just let you repeat it, that you would take Matt Corral over Mac Jones, who he faces this week. Absolutely. Listen, Alabama has, has never put a bad quarterback in there because they simply have so much talent around them. I mean, you can't name a guy that, that people have thought was a bad quarterback there over the last 10 to 15 years because – it's it's nothing but five star after five star on on their lineup. So every quarterback looks decent. I mean, they, they always play good defense. They always have good receivers. They always have a really good running game, a big O line. So, I mean, it's a plug and play. Quarterback is a plug and play at Alabama. So if you would put Mac Jones in this offense, I don't think he's as, as impressive as Corral, and I'll, I'll stand by that for sure. What is the path for Ole Miss being competitive against Alabama on Saturday? come out there play really hard and um you know obviously the offense has to perform the way it has i mean it has to perform the way it has and a little better and the defense somehow has to get we'll have to we'll have to be four turnovers or more and one of them being one or two being a score for for us to be in it at the end yeah that's not gonna happen (laughs) well wishful thinking uh we all believe they're gonna lose alabama offensively will be able to name their point total probably, and Ole Miss will be facing by far the best defense of the season. Here's the thing. It doesn't even matter. As long as Ole Miss is competitive, like it was against Florida, putting up 35 points but still losing by 16, that keeps the line moving. At 0-2, we're taking a completely different outlook, not just record-wise, but in recruiting, general program building, whatever. But Ole Miss is 1-1. Here's a way too early mailbag question from Hooper Wilkinson at Hooper W94. Is LSU just really bad, or is Arkansas just kind of sneaky good? I actually think Arkansas is sneaky kind of good. Um, just after watching them a little bit, I don't think they're I, I don't think they're as bad as they've been. I don't think they're a pushover anymore. And you look at them in the first half versus Georgia; they hung in there pretty well versus Georgia. And Georgia just ended up out-athleting them, out man them at the end. But I watched them versus Mississippi State, and Mississippi State did everything in their, in their power to lose that game. Arkansas is still not a good football team, but they're not as bad as they were. It's not an automatic win. They have enough, to, if you don't play well, to beat you. Like they did against Mississippi State. If you gift them those that many turnovers or that many opportunities. Ole Miss has done a good job. One turnover through two games. You keep that going – you're always going to be in the game. The turnover differential is the biggest thing. The Cowboys have a negative seven turnover differential through four games. They're one in three, a disaster. Their defense is the worst in the NFL, one of the worst the Cowboys have ever put out on the field. So bringing that back to Ole Miss, turnover differential matters. That's probably the biggest winning stat, is it not? The two biggest stats to look at in football, in my opinion, and if you look at them by numbers, because we, we always did this with Bruce Arians, he was real big on you know what stats mattered, and that is turnover margin. Most teams that win the turnover margin go to the playoffs or go to you know whatever, go to the bowl game. They're usually the better team in, in third down. If you're converting third downs, if you have a high third down percentage and a, and a good turnover margin, you're, you're usually a very winning football team. Ole Miss is there. Can your defense get enough stops? They did get enough stops against Kentucky. They were down 28-14. to 14. They were. And Kentucky didn't continue to extend out its lead because the Ole Miss defense did make a few plays. So maybe it's in there. If you're not turning the ball over and this offense is scoring points and you're converting on third down, Ole Miss is doing those things, you're going to be in games. Um, Here's something for you. On Sunday, it was six years ago Sunday, Ole Miss football got the comeback win and upset in Oxford over Alabama. One of the greatest days, if you're an Ole Miss fan, in modern Ole Miss football history. When the goalpost came down, the comeback, it was amazing. Sinquez Golson's interception. Where were you that day? If I had to guess, um, what year was that? Was that 2015 or 16? 14. 
2014. So I was in Arizona playing for the Cardinals, and we were, um, yeah, I was I was in Arizona. So we were we were a really good team that year. I think we won a that was probably one of the best football years of my life because I think that we were 13 and three or so there, and then Ole Miss had came on and beat Alabama and had a really good team as well. So I think that was the, the one year, one of the few years where my my college did good and my NFL team was um, was pretty good. I was in the corner of the end zone when Jalen Walton caught the touchdown pass, and that was the loudest I'd heard Vaught Hemingway Stadium since Ole Miss with Eli faced off against LSU that pregame that was to decide the SEC West. Almost lost that game, but that pregame was as loud as I'd heard Vaught Hemingway Stadium until 2014 when Ole Miss was on the verge of celebrating one of the biggest wins in its history. All right, before we jump to Brian Dawn, talk about Tyshim Johnson for a recruit check here on Talk of Champions. I wanted to touch on one last thing. Kiffin opted to punt when Ole Miss was facing fourth and one, just past their own 35 or so, with 42 seconds remaining in the game. Here's my hot take, all right? And then you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Even though the ultimate result, a win, was what you want, he should have gone for it. And I was a little bit disappointed. Kiffin is all about analytics. Anybody who's listened to this podcast knows I'm all about analytics, namely in baseball, but in football too, to a much lesser degree. I would have rather taken my shot right then and there with my timeouts and my offense on the field with a chance to go down and win it than play for overtime and expect my defense that can't get stops to get one against Kentucky with a short field over and over and over. And the Wildcats' first drive in overtime when they scored in three plays backs up my thought process. Sure, they missed the extra point, but the probability of that happening is so minuscule as low a percentage outcome as there possibly is. You can't bank on that. Your win probability is greater on fourth and one, even backed up knowing that if you don't get it, Kentucky's a field goal away from beating you, only has got to get maybe 10 yards to feel confident. But that still is the higher percentage play rather than banking on a missed extra point. But I also get the other side of it. I do. You fall short. They're kicking a field goal to win. I don't know. A win's a win's a win. It doesn't matter. And Kiffin has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I just think the discussion is fascinating. I love this discussion. A lot of people disagree with me on Twitter. And I totally understand why. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I just would have gone for it. What would you have done? I think he made the right decision. I think he, I think kicking. I think you have to kick it there. Just, just. I mean, if you don't get that there, you're, you know, you're pretty much giving the game away. And secondly, I, I think it's and you got to look at your opponent here. Kentucky was running the ball all over us. I think he was thinking, hey, if we punt it down there, which, which was a great punt, they're likely not going to quick strike a pass. I mean, they don't, they didn't have time to run the ball all the way down our throat in that amount of time. Hopefully, we could, you know, if they're going to run it two or three times and we tackle them all three times, I mean. Even if they get 15 yards of pop there, they're still not, you know, in field goal range. So, um, yeah, I think he made the right right decision based off what Kentucky was doing really well against us. And and I, I man, if we don't get that there and, and he loses that game, that's that's just, I mean, that's that's bad. So, I mean, I, I think he did make the right decision in that case. If we were playing Florida, on the other hand, the way they were throwing on us, I mean, I, I, I say you go for it in that case. I just like the ball in the hands of my offense with my timeouts for a chance to go win it because I don't want them to get the ball back, because they've now run for 400 yards against my defense, and they're going to play with short field after short field after short field. So it's putting all the pressure on them, and you're just taking your shot. I always want to play for the win, but I totally understand the decision he ultimately made. I'm not second-guessing it. I just think philosophically it's an interesting discussion. The short field that they were going to face, even if you didn't convert it, was the same short field that they were going to face over and over and over again in overtime. And they scored so quickly. And I was like, all right, well, there you go. But Ole Miss answered the bell and they got some fortune. Kentucky missed an extra point. Who could have seen that coming? Do you honestly believe, though, Ole Miss fan, that Ole Miss was ever going to get a stop? I think what would have happened, you answer me this then. Kentucky doesn't miss the extra point. Ole Miss gets the ball back. It scores its touchdown. Do you think he's kicking an extra point there? Heck no, Lane Kiffin's going for two right there. I said, I said that is, I may, I may have actually texted you that. You did. Game. I, I did. I did. I said he better go for two. It, 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 you might as well if you get a chance to win it on one play from three, you have to go at that point because I don't think we could have said when they had the ball on the twenty-five yard line. I don't think we would have stopped them and ever. I, I really don't. I that's think why I said go for it in, in regulation. Yeah. That's the only reason. The same principle, but I get why that then in overtime is a more high percentage play than going for it on fourth down on your side of the field, and then driving and hoping to get a winning play in 42 seconds. 
because you're playing. He was making that decision to punt, I think, based on the fact that he knew, well, they're going to score whatever. We're going to score, and then we're going for two. But he didn't have to make that decision because he missed the extra point. But, yeah, he was going for two. Yeah, I, I think he has to there. I think you go for the win. And, um, yeah, I don't think you want to sit there and keep trading sevens with these guys because I think that's that's what would have happened. All right, well, got to get to Brian Dawn. But it's so much easier, Brad, and so much more fun to talk Ole Miss football when there's an air of optimism and hope and fun with this program, one that has not been here since, what, 2016? And even then, you were dealing with some off-the-field shit that you didn't really want to deal with. So right now, after a win, this is probably the greatest breath of fresh air I, as a media member, have felt since 2016. It just feels different, and it's fun again. Lane Kiffin has made Ole Miss fun again, and it makes your and my job talking about it so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can feel the momentum really, really coming on here. I mean, I think recruiting is going to pick up, like you said. I think that the um, – Everybody's just excited about it. to see us competing like this at um, at this early in the stage. I know I don't think anybody expected us to be to be doing this this quick. So I think this is a, a bit of a surprise. And then then you just keep asking yourself, hey, what's it going to look like when when Lane Kiffin has a full off season, a full couple of recruiting classes? Is this going to be that fun here? I mean, I, so I'm excited. The momentum's starting now, um, and and it's let's just keep it rolling. It's time now to go to Brian Doan for a recruit check here on Talk of Champions. He's going to join us on the Modern Women phone line. But first, we've got to say bye to Brad. Bye, Brad. See you, man. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. That was Bradley South. If you haven't already, subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Omaha Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Let's go now to the Modern Women phone line to talk to Brian Dunn for a recruit check. But first, let's hear from BNA Bank and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. Celebrate! Ole Miss football, it's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered, and no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with a delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like, simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork, review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at allensamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distanced, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Check that shit out. Wow. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this! It's recruit check time here on Talk of Champions. And joining me on the Modern Women phone line, Brian Doan, 247 Sports, National Recruiting Analyst. He was live last week when Ole Miss picked up its latest commitment. Brian, what's up, man? How you doing? 
I'm doing well, man. Excited. Uh, just had a weekend of football up here in New Jersey, which is uh, something different. So happy about that. Yeah, see, that's the thing, man. Everybody forgets that not all high school football is canceled up there. Y'all have got some games going on. Good for y'all. No, it's good. The, the, the tough part is, is Tysheem Johnson is not playing. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know if people understand it, but you look up here in Philly and, you know, the, the schools were allowed to play. The Catholic schools were told they were allowed to play. But right now, Newman Goretti, which is where Tashim Johnson goes, decided, well, we're still not playing. They're, they're not really, the city of Philadelphia isn't releasing practice fields for the public schools to practice on. So, you know, it's, it's a little different up here than in other parts of the country. Down here, it's hit or miss. Some schools are playing. Some schools aren't. In New Orleans, you got every Ole Miss fan paying attention to Arch Manning. But last week... <laughs> It was all about Tashim Johnson, four-star safety that committed to Ole Miss. You were live there for his announcement. First, before we get into it, set the stage. It was delayed a little bit. Everyone was expecting 6 p.m., went closer to 8, maybe a little after 8. I lost track of time at that point. Just set the stage for what it was like out there. Wait, how long is this podcast? (laughs) You know, it, it was a, you know, I've been to a lot of these things, and rarely do they go off without a hitch. But this one was a little different, and, and I felt bad for Tashim just from the standpoint of, you know, how long it was taken. And, and he handled it well. He didn't get too stressed about it, but I know he was disappointed. So it was supposed to start about 6.30, you know, Mississippi time. So we'll go 7.30 Philly time, right? So for now on, seven, you know, East Coast time with where it was. So he rolls in about 7.40, and – all of a sudden words start circulating that they don't have a projector. And it was done at, at a football field, his youth football field. So it's outside a um, couple hundred people there, tables set up, uh, you know, some nice centerpieces and on the tables and food and all that. And so they had this big projection screen that they're going to play the commitment video on. Right. And then at the end, he's going to pop out and they're going to end the video 30 seconds. And he's going to put a hat on and do all that stuff. Well, the projector doesn't work. And he wanted the video to be a big part of it, put a lot of time into making the video, which I I think, you know, Yancey had shared on on social and everything, but his people are looking for the, for a projector. They're going to stores. The stores are out of them. They're going to somebody's house who's supposed to have one and, and they don't have the projector and the lights are supposed to go out at 9.15 on this practice field, and it's now 9 o'clock, and so you're sitting there going, well, you know, I, I told Tashim, I said, you know, it's like a football game. You practice all week, and you prepare, and the offense comes out and gives you a totally different look than what you practiced for, so you got to scrap the game plan, make up a new one on the sideline between series, and let's go move on. And so he's then getting ready to grab the microphone and announce. And all of a sudden, somebody comes running from one of the streets on, on nearby. Cause, you know, we're in, we're in Philadelphia, so big city. They come running on the street, hey, I have a projector. And so now they hook it up and everything goes. And, you know, I, I told the team, I said, hey, man, your 18th birthday, you really don't forget it to begin with. But, man, good luck topping this one for memories and, and what you'll remember out of it. But at the end of the day, uh, they had a DJ, so, you know, the, the – place was bouncing a little bit so everybody had fun i don't think any people really minded to be waiting around that long because they had food a lot of people to talk to um so it, all in all though it was uh one of the more interesting announcements i tell you recruiting has grown so much as far as spectacle that that entire <laughs> saga and then you're talking about food set up we've got djs now Back when I recovered, oh, yeah. like Cam Akers retired me from recruiting. I've said that a number of times <laughs> on this podcast. And I remember in the earlier days of recruiting when I got on the beat in 2008, it was just going to a kid's ceremony and maybe you had a couple of hats and then you put a hat on. Then it turned into puppies and baby reveals. And, and now we got DJs and projectors <laughs> and videos, custom videos, custom graphics. What can we expect next, man? I mean, this keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, to me, um, probably my favorite one was still Leontay Carew when he committed to Rutgers. Um, he wound up playing the NFL for a little bit of receiver. 
it was at this banquet hall. I mean, it was half bar mitzvah, half <laughs> wedding celebration. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I mean, there must have been 200 people at it. Um, it went on for hours. <laughs> I mean, it was something I've never seen before, and nothing has matched that uh, spectacle, shall we say, since then. But hey, listen, man, things have evolved. Social media has really made things evolve. I'm old enough to, I still don't get the whole gender reveal thing. Um, that you're, you know, I, I don't get stuff like that, which is fine. But the idea is look, he's worked hard, he wanted to have a big day. You know, he put a lot of effort into it. So if you want to celebrate and Heck yeah. you know, be smart about it, all good for me. I mean, it, it, it makes for good stories, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, and I'm all for it. I'm all, I'm all pro player about anything. So, man, enjoy your day. Enjoy yeah. that. Gender reveals now, Brian. That's a touchy subject, okay? The first one. Yeah, I, I see. I'm old enough. I don't I don't get it. Like, when I had my kids, we didn't even decide. You know, we waited to see until they were born, whether, you know, boys or girls. Yeah. And so <laughs> – the whole gender reveal thing for me, I don't, I don't really get I it. Think My nieces I, have done it. I don't get it. I think I got on board just as they were getting popular. And all we did was a cake for our first daughter. But see, I love my children equally. But our second daughter got the shaft. We just told a few people, <laughs> hey, we're having another girl. You know, that's the way it goes. Because once you do the gender reveal once, yeah, it's not my bag. I'm not all about that. But the <laughs> spectacle of it, it's just... It's it's all for social media. It's all for Facebook, right? That's what a lot of this stuff is for. Yeah. My personal favorite, I got two of them as far as commitments. One, Bobby Massey, way back in the day, put on an Alabama hat, and as he was about to put it on his head, flipped it back and then put on the Ole Miss hat. And I thought that was <laughs> – I mean, there was a big story about that. Everybody was pissed yeah. off from Alabama. They thought it was so disrespectful. Now that's not even a blip on the radar. The second one, of course, is A.J. Brown – having the balls to commit to Ole Miss in Starkville High School. Um, but he didn't do anything <laughs> particularly special. He just put on an Ole Miss hat, and everybody just kind of half cheered, half booed. It was it was nuts. But I, I love that <laughs> kids are owning this and making it a special day for them. Because that is special. For Tashim, it's a big day, um, not only for his commitment, but also what it means for Ole Miss moving forward. And we'll get into that in a second. But first, who did it come down to for him? It wasn't just Ole Miss. Who was really in it for him? You know, um, I, I think when you really talk about who was in it, it was Maryland and Arizona State, right? Um, you know, some of the other schools that, that were mentioned um, kind of pulled back a little bit toward the end. Um, but Arizona State and Maryland were the two that really pushed hard. And, and Texas A&M started coming on a little bit at the end, but, you know, it really you saw that they weren't going to be interested um, I mean, that he wasn't going to be that interested. But what put Ole Miss over the top were two things. First of all, they wanted him to play safety, okay? Arizona State and Maryland were talking running backs. And he's really gifted with the ball in his hands. And hopefully, you know, the people in Oxford will see that, you know, in special teams early on with punt returns and stuff. But he's got a chance to be a really good safety. If he was, you know, two inches taller, and, and I don't really – I understand the measurements, but sometimes you just got to trust your eyes. If he was two inches taller, everybody in the country would have taken him. Um, he's physical. He can cover. Uh, you know, he, he's good against the run. He can go down and cover the slot. If you really need to put him outside, he can play a little bit of cornerback. He can play free safety. He has good ball skills. The mentality is of, you know, he'll, he'll play in the box with his mentality. And, he thinks that's what gets him to the NFL. And I agree. Like if he's going to the NFL, it's going to be as a defensive player. Um, and so I agree with that. And, and that was a huge part for him with Ole Miss. And then listen, Chris Partridge, and I know the folks at Ole Miss are, are just getting to know Chris Partridge. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's a really good recruiter. You know, he came from Michigan. He's got, you know, he's from the Northeast. He went to, you know, he, he coached at Primus Catholic High. He went to school there in New Jersey and what people don't realize is he made Paramus Catholic High School a big-time major player on the national scene in high school football. And he did that by, you know, I'm sure folks remember a guy named, you know, Rashawn Gary or Jabril Peppers. 
And both of those kids were at other schools to begin their high school careers and wound up going to Paramus Catholic. And so he's always had that bond with kids um, and families. And so he understands that even from the high school uh, ranks. And he's got a great reputation in Philadelphia. You know, Paramus Catholic, the, the former coach for Paramus Catholic, went to, you know, took a job at St. Joe's Prep down in Philly. So there, there's connections there. And that was key. Albie Crosby, who is Tashim's coach at Newman Garetti, has a good relationship with Chris Partridge and trusts Chris Partridge. And so when you look at playing defense, and now he's going to be playing for Chris in the secondary, those are two really key aspects that really put Ole Miss over the top. Man, Rashawn Gary is a blast <laughs> into the past for Ole Miss fans in recruiting. That was back when everything was kind of hitting the fan. And his mom coming yeah. out and defending Ole Miss. He went to Michigan, but Ole Miss was in it for me. Oh, my God. That just brought a rush of just nightmarish reporting I had to cover back in those days. But you, you took the words out of my mouth because <laughs> Tashim said it himself how big of a deal Chris Partridge was in this recruitment, probably the deciding factor for him. And you're right. That's his fertile recruiting territory. And before this commitment, Ole Miss was in the 60s in team rankings on 247. 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC. I don't think fans quite understand that, not just with COVID and not making excuses here, but where these these coaches recruit, where they're most successful, those kids probably have never even thought about or stepped foot in the South. So it's going to take some time and not being able to get these kids to visit, that was always going to be a setback for them. But I think it's a testament still to the abilities of a guy like Chris Partridge to go get a kid in Philly to commit right now amidst everything and seem solid about it because for Ole Miss, this has not been an ideal time to recruit for a first-year staff. No, and it's, you know, it's a lot of stuff that we're seeing up here in the Northeast with Penn State, which is an established staff. And part of the charm of Penn State, or a lot of it, is getting kids on campus. So for Ole Miss, I mean, you know, Ole Miss has come up to this part of the country a, a few times. They got Miles Hartsfield a few years ago out of Saraville High, which is probably about 10 minutes from where I live here in Jersey. Um, they got an offensive lineman a few years back I think from Trinity Pauling uh, in New York. The kid was from, I think he was from Harlem or the Bronx. Um, you know, and so they've had some times where they've come up to the Northeast. But, you know, the big thing for Tashin was, he he and his coach drove down to campus and you know listen i mean i've been to oxford once and i've been to philadelphia a lot of times philadelphia is different than oxford <laughs> yeah. right and so i mean you know um you know and and so for to to go down and see the campus and he's like man i could not believe how nice the people were you know around campus he goes i didn't even want to you know, talk to people and let them know I was a football player. I just wanted them to know me as, a, you know, that I'm a person just looking around. And he said they were outstanding. And, and he said, you know, all the other stuff you talked about is right on the money with Partridge playing defense. But I think what finalized the deal for him was he went down with his coach, drove around the campus, got to see a little bit of Oxford and was really comfortable and was like, yo, this is a, this is a pretty good place now. Um, and, and I've, you know, and, and I think that's key for a kid like that because the environment is different, just like a kid who, you know, maybe coming from, a, a, a you know, somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania where it's, you know, more rural going to school at a place like Temple, it's in the middle of a city. It's a big life adjustment. And, you know, and, and I also think it's key that, you know, Tashim's family can drive down there. It's not an easy drive, but it can be made or you can fly down you know, with the airports and all, you know, out of Philly and, and there's a couple of close airports. But I think the ability to get there and, and seeing the campus and understanding how nice the people are there really was the final thing for him. We'll get right back to Brian Dawn, 247 National Recruiting Analyst in this recruit check here on Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Modern Woodman. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. 
A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Sinquez Golson put it best, man. If you don't want to go to Ole Miss, don't visit. And I think one thing that <laughs> Ole Miss has to deal with on the recruiting trail constantly is the negative perception from its past. And for a guy in Philly to come see it, that reminds me of so many stories you hear about kids that have never seen Ole Miss, but they've heard all these things. And once they get down there, they go, oh, wow. Okay, so what is Ole Miss getting in Tashim Johnson? Is he a guy that can step in and potentially start immediately? Um, you know, I, I would have, I don't know enough about Ole Miss's secondary to know that, right? It isn't so, great. So, <laughs> so you're telling me that maybe I would get some playing time? Yeah, I'm just, um, just so, saying. Uh, yeah. If you got a pulse, yeah, you got yeah. a chance. <laughs> well, then I like his chances. Because here's the thing about Tashim. Um, he's a really good, you know, work ethic kid. His technique is good. You know, he's still got to work on some things with his back pedal and cleaning up his footwork. But athletically, he can do it. From a physical standpoint, just physically being strong enough to handle the SEC, he can do it from that standpoint. This is a kid who, if he wanted to take the opportunity and go through the process, would have had a shot to go to Stanford, right? So he's a book-smart kid. He's a smart football player. He's, he's a smart overall kid because we all know the difference between book smarts and, and just being you know smart, you know street smart. He, he's that. He, he understands the game. You know, I, I think one of the things in talking to his coach um, when he was telling me a story just about what kind of player Tashim was, he said, listen, man, this is the guy who's just a quiet leader. He doesn't even have to say anything, and kids will just follow him. And, and I think that's huge, and, and I think Ole Miss will see that quickly because I saw it in Philadelphia because there were people showing up at his event from other schools or, or just a lot of kids um, prospects and stuff or coaches from other schools that were just showing up because they like and respect Tashim and, and really they didn't have to be there but they wanted to be there and, and it shows what kind of kid he is um, so I, I think you know when you get away from the physical stuff I mean look Ole Miss has taken he, he he's got all the stuff physically that you need to be able to play and be able to play quickly it's just a matter of how quickly he'll pick up what they want to do defensively. And, you know, they talk about him being a safety who at one time is a free, they'll walk him into the box on other stuff. You know, somebody's going to really spread you out. He can go cover the slot. So for me, it's just a matter of how quickly he'll be able to learn all that stuff. I, I don't care how smart you are. If you're coming in as a true freshman, you're, you know, there's going to be some times where you're like, Hey, what just happened? But he's supposed to now graduate in December. So he, technically he has left Newman Goretti and he's taken classes at another place because Newman Goretti does not allow kids to graduate early. So he, he's going to graduate in December. And so he'll be down, you know, in Mississippi in the winter and, and move forward. And, and that'll be huge for him to get to learn everything. Well, I was reading your scouting report and you talked about his good ball skills, high point in the ball in traffic, uh, maximizing his length. And I was looking at the concerns. If the worst concern is, hey, man, add 10 pounds, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's add a little bit more size. And, you know, I spoke to his trainer, you know, a guy working him out who people may remember him, a guy named Nico Kramer, who, you know, is from Delaware and played at Tennessee for a while. Um, and I was talking to him at the announcement, and, and he goes, look, Kashim's 194. I said, yo, does he have the body to get to, you know, can, can you get him to 205, maybe 210? He goes, yeah, he'll get there. He goes, it'll take a little bit of time. You know, the concerns are, you know, making sure his frame can handle that. And, you know, he's 5'10", 5'11". You know, what happens when you go against that 6'3 receiver down the field? I mean, there's, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, that, that's just um, stuff you got to figure out a way to, you know, continue to fight through the play. But, other than that, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a great player. I was talking to uh, our national uh, recruiting guy, you know, who runs it all, Steve Wilfong, and he's like, yeah, I watched Tashim's film again. He's sensational. I said, yes, he is. So, um, you know, and I think he's a guy that we'll talk about. You know, he's a four-star kid, but maybe pushing up a little bit just um, uh, on some of the feedback we've gotten from his workouts and everything. 
it's kind of an obvious question. I think I know the answer to it, but is Ole Miss done in the Northeast with Chris Partridge? Oh, no. No, no, it's the start of it with Chris Partridge. Um, and that's why it's, it's, it's so big. And I was talking to Yancey about it the other day, um, just in terms of, look, now he, he, he got a guy from Philly, which is good. Everybody knows in you know New Jersey also. But this is kind of like the, the foot in the door for them a little bit. Now, look, they got a kid from Connecticut last year, Tobias Braun, an offensive lineman, or, or Tobias. They got Damon Clowney out of Baltimore. Um, so they've had already some success. And, and both at schools where Chris Partridge had recruited for Michigan. And so – I don't think people will realize that as much, but no, this is the beginning. I mean, they're, they're still fighting hard for defensive tackle Talik Robbins out of Philadelphia Imitep. Um, they'll, they'll fight hard for one of the top 22 defensive linemen and I white out of Philadelphia Imitep. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be, I, I would expect, your fans and, and your site will see my name a little bit more on the message board <laughs> and on your site <laughs> for better or for worse. I mean, you know, then you got to read through my stuff, but uh, yeah, I, I would think that they'll, they'll see it because I expect them to be more active here and be more active just in terms of, you know, even in Virginia where, where they, they could have probably gotten Maurice Freeman who wound up going to Indiana, but they, they, they kind of pulled back a little bit. Yeah, I look over New Jersey, Tywon Malone, he's a four-star. They're in on him. Got Tashin committed, Talik Robbins, you mentioned him. Doesn't look like they're going to stop. And I think that speaks to what Ole Miss's philosophy is now, right? That Lane Kiffin and this staff are trying to recruit nationally. They don't want to be regionally based. They want to treat this program as if they were any blue blood program and recruit from a national perspective. So being a national recruiting analyst, do you think that's the right approach to take? Yeah, I think you go to where your relationships are, and the kids up here. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I should have mentioned Tywon Malone too because you know he's also big on the baseball front. So Ole Miss is talking to him about playing baseball, which is which is really big. You know, big time D tackle out of Bergen Catholic in North Jersey, which was one of Chris Partridge's rivals when he was at Paramus Catholic. I mean, Bergen Catholic is one of the you know the blue bloods of North Jersey football. We'll say. Um, but yeah, you, the relationships are there, and, and kids here love the SEC. So you got to remember, um, for Philadelphia, New York kids, even Baltimore kids, it's pro sports. I mean, I live in New Jersey, and within an hour of me are the Yankees, the Mets, the Rangers, the Devils, the Jets, the Giants, the Knicks, and the Nets. Okay, so and when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, this is pro sports and these kids want to go play a lot of times in places where football is, you know, college football is the talking point. And I think that's something for Ole Miss to, to sell. And I know that, uh, you know, the former AD at Ole Miss is a guy named, you know, Ross Bjork, who everybody knows. Well, I knew Ross from when he was uh, at UCLA and I had covered UCLA in the newspaper business. And I talked to him when he was at, Ole Miss, and he's like, yo, you, you know, game days here are incredible. Um, the atmosphere is unbelievable. And then you get in the stadium, and it's great, too. So, I mean, when you, when you put it in that perspective, and these kids are going down there, and they'll be able, you know, hopefully next year we'll be able to experience game days. And stuff. You know, for me, I just look at it from the standpoint of, there's so much excitement around game days and, and what the SEC has to offer. That's what the lore is. So if you have the connection and you're all Miss, you should spend some time up here. Tywin Malone, six three and a half, three hundred pounds, playing baseball. What does he play? First base. First base. And that's that's. I mean, yeah, I, mean I should have guessed that. Come on, man. God, Ben. Come yeah, he, on. He's, a, he's a shortstop. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 yeah. But uh, but the but the thing is, like you know, he. he Baseball is very important to him. He missed – so in New Jersey, they have the workouts are uh, – you know, the season started this past weekend. So through most of August, they had workouts with their teams, no pads, and then they had a two-week break, and they went full practice like in mid-September. But he he missed a lot of the workouts with the team because he was playing baseball. And, and I, I don't know if folks – 
there know about the area code games. So he was playing for a team based out of, I, I think, New York um, in the area code games. So when he got back to New Jersey, he had to quarantine for two weeks before he could go to practice. And so that's how important baseball is to him. I mean, it's, it is a central part of his decision. And Ole Miss, Florida State, and Texas A&M have done an outstanding job of it. Yeah, Ole Miss has got two kids, John Rice Plumley, Jerry on Ely, both playing football and baseball. So that's a selling I remember point. Ely. I, yeah. I, yeah, I covered Ely at the All-American game. I mean, at the time, there was talk of maybe he doesn't go to Ole Miss yeah. because he may just go play baseball. He's yeah, to... or he was going to Clemson. That was a thing. Yeah, no, we didn't. he always told me Ole Miss, Ole Miss, but I, I know the Clemson stuff, but I, I never thought of that. I just thought he was going to, you know, the big thing was, was he going to go, you know, get drafted right. high and go play baseball? But yeah. he was he was a fun kid to watch, and he was a nice kid to talk to. Well, another good dude to talk to is Brian Dunn. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brian Dunn 247 247 Sports, National Recruiting Analyst. Man, it was fun talking, bro. Thanks for doing this. We'll do it again. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me in any time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.